Oh yeah. So I don't even know if I have my my bookmark. It looks like the bookmark still there. Yep. So I'm not going to read it again. I'm just looking at the last paragraph of the this transitional process of meditation where he speaks of the three ways of becoming a Buddha. One of these, when you're passing through the, the bardo of dying and you come to the culmination, what Geshe Zopa did just very recently and happens just all the, every year it happens, where someone enters into that clear light of death and remains in Tuktam. That's an opportunity when you're realizing your own nature, you know, realizing your own Buddha nature, non-dually, to actually become enlightened right there as a Buddha by way of Dhammakaya, because that's what, just directly what you're experiencing is Dhammakaya. So that would be your conduit, your avenue to achieve enlightenment by way of Dharmakaya. Well, you may not, but then you may not actually achieve full enlightenment on that occasion. Well, then there's the next bardo, and that's called the bardo of Dhammata. I know this is very technical, but just running through it quickly. And this is where these peaceful and wrathful deities appear, all of the manifestations of your own, of your own rikpa. And there's an opportunity, if you recognize them all, then you may achieve perfect enlightenment in that occasion by way of Sambhogakaya. And it seems that uh, Tsongkhapa, Tsongkhapa achieved enlightenment by that way, as Sambhogakaya. There was a direct vision by Kedukje, one of his two principal disciples, actually had the vision, vision of Tsongkhapa achieving enlightenment in that, in that phase, quite extraordinary. Uh, and then there's the third, third way when you're in the bardo of becoming. So that's the bardo bardo, the one everybody knows about that studies this. And that, as we've seen before, is an opportunity in which you may shift your environment to that of the pure land, and then there you go. So we're just going through the three modes of achieving enlightenment by way of Dhammakaya, in the clear light of death, by way of Sambhogakaya, the, the, the bardo of Dhammata, and then by way of Nimanakaya, in the bardo of becoming. Uh, but we all know that it's... Um, I mean, when we... So, and that was the teaching. So, and, and then, of course, you may simply, out of compassion, decide to come back as a hu- human being and hopefully have very fortuitous circumstances and, and proceed along the path in your next life as a human being. Um, at the same time, there has to be a little, if you're at all, all like me, a little bit of niggling. I think a niggling, a little qualm. I'm not that good at visualization. And I'm not sure I'm going to be lucid in the bardo. And what if I don't remember, you know? your batting average for having lucid dreams may not be very high. And so I might think, well, maybe I'll not get any of those and I'll just be thrown into the great ocean of samsara. And so that qualm could be a rise. You, know. uh, you may just feel, well, I don't think I'm up, up to it, so maybe, maybe I'm just going to be floundering about. And so in a completely smooth segue from that, I wanted to share with you something that I didn't receive this teaching until after I had been studying and really practicing full-time study, teaching, translating for 20 years. Because I started in 1970, 71. And then which I started receiving teaching from in 1990. Well, this was still a few couple of years after that, more like 92, something like that, 92, 93, after he taught A Spacious Path to Freedom. Then I think the next one was he taught Natural Liberation. But actually, it came in, in, well, it comes in the spacious path of freedom. The teachings of this great 17th century, great scholar, great contemplative, Kama Chakme, who is a patriarch, one of, one of the, the shining lights of the Kagyu tradition, Mahamudra, and the Nyingma tradition, Dzogchen. Uh, and he was a, like a, a tutor, a tutor of the fifth Dalai Lama. So it's all in the same family, you know? And so, and this is really a central lineage of Gatra Rinpoche. He, in, in this particular tukul, that's a lineage he really maintains. It's called the Beiyul tradition of Dzogchen. Gyatran, which is a major lineage holder of that. 
So he taught that. I was his Sutrasa translator. And then the teachings were so wonderful, I really had no choice. So I started translating the text. Other people transcribed his, the, the translation of his commentary, edited. So we did about five books that way. But as I'm saying, I had 20 years of training and really a lot of investigation, a lot of just hammering at difficult questions, struggling with doubts and uncertainties. Uh, and for that, most of that time, it was really, above all, Galupa training, some degree of Sakya, and then some Theravada. And in that first 20 years, the whole issue of pure lands, pure lands, it, it didn't come up much. They were never refuted. They just were not particularly highlighted. The emphasis was on Amrim, it was on Shamadeva Vipassana, state regeneration completion. And once in a while, reference to the pure lands, but not much. Uh, so they really wanted you to focus here in this lifetime. Get, get with it. Practice, practice, practice diligently. Uh, but during the course of those 20 years, I really did develop a lot of confidence. And that included four years in retreat. So that helped a lot. You know? And then I'm there sitting. I'm, he was always here on my right. I'm sitting, sitting in a lower position, of course, serving as his translator. And he had gone through virtually all of this classic text. It's brilliant. It's the one I'll be teaching in next year's eight-week retreat. I'll be taking the core of it, uh, the Shamadeva Vipassana Mahamudra Dzogchen, and then also some very explicit, I'll be drawing from another source for preliminary practice. It's something quite exceptional. Um, but he'd been through the whole thing, the whole, the whole path, you know? He just kind of, we, we, went, we jumped right over the uh, preliminary practices. He said, well, you already know that. But we'll skip that. Take up too much time. So we went directly to a very brief uh, stage of generation practice, Avalokiteshvara, and then right it is so familiar now, Shamata, Vipassana, Mahamudra, and Tekchur, cutting through to pristine awareness. And then following that was Turkel, which I won't teach next summer as usual, the direct crossing over. And then he's finished. I mean, that's it. That's rainbow body. That's everything. All the four visions of the direct crossing over. And so we're all finished, right? Except then, at the end of all of that, then Kamachamedamuchi, this awesome scholar, I mean, tremendous erudition, very deep contemplative, tutor to the fifth Dalai uh, with, a, with a pension emergency, who was also his primary tutor. Then he turns to Sukhavati, or Dewachen is called it that, in the pure land of Amitabha. And so before I go to the text, I'm just going to be reading through it. We'll have a brief dedication, and I'll be finished by 4.30, if, if, the, if the force is with us. Um, I just want to say this, you know, that I received this, and when, when I received this, it just went right in. It was kind of like, oh, Oh, thank you. Because I had enough faith by then. And faith in Gyatrinambache, impeccable Lama. Faith in Kamachamya, faith in Dzogchen, faith in... I had, wow, I know where this is coming from. And it was time just to read it at least. And, and from my side, I'm just saying personal experience. Whoa, how wonderful. Yes, please. You know, yes, please. And so as I'm giving this teaching, if you find more just a lot of uncertainties arise and I'm not sure about this and it just sounds like whatever, and if you find just don't have much confidence in it, please just don't worry. Nothing bad happens if you don't believe in the teaching I'm about to offer. Nothing bad happens. Nothing bad. It's just that something good doesn't happen for the time being. That's not so terrible then, right? It's only possibility of good, no possibility of bad. So if it stirs something within you, just, and that's it. Because this is not logic. I'm not showing empirical evidence. Uh, but when I heard it, I was ready. And it's been with me ever since. And it's just tremendously enriched the practice. Give that sense of ease. 
You remember that? It's kind of important. You remember the... Yeah. This gives that sense of ease. So I'm just going to read it. It's, it's really quite self-explanatory. So there it is. So this is direct citation from Kamachamed. It's fairly extensive, so I'm going to be pretty much reading it. And you're going to understand it. There's nothing complicated here. There are incalculable benefits in engaging in practice. The optimal case is to become a Buddha in one lifetime and with one body, or else to become a Buddha. So that's right here, like great transference of rainbow body. Uh, or else to become a Buddha as Dharmakaya at death, when the outer breath ceases. Now you know what that is. So that's optimal, either one of those two, first rate. The middling case is to recall the meaning of the unified stages of generation and completion of one's present meditation at the time when one's body and mind separate, resulting in becoming a Buddha in the intermediate state as a Sambhogakaya, indivisible from one's uh, personal deity. So that's by way of that, now you know, yeah? Like Bardo of Dhammata. So, you, so there it is, quite clear. So this is familiar. And you see a complete smooth, smooth segue from the earlier to this one. There are said to be 21 days to achieve the result of Buddhahood corresponding to the specific faculties of individuals. So you actually have as much as 21 days opportunity in that bardo of, of, bardo of Dhammata. The very least, the very least of these ways of achieving enlightenment really quite quickly, the very least of them is called resting in a Namanakaya pure realm. It is said that by, that by making prayers to take birth in a Buddha realm, You'll be reborn there. Now, that doesn't necessarily require being lucid in the bardo and doing all the visualizations and so forth. It's really calling on grace. What else do we call this? This is grace. So in this regard, Machik Lapdun, now she is one of the greatest yoginis in the whole history of Tibetan Buddhism, beloved, revered by all schools, the master and mistress of Chit practice, which Snatu knows a lot about. In this regard, Machik Lapdun says, apart from Sukhavati, now, you might remember there's the central Buddha and then the, the five, the, the four, four Buddha families and so five Buddha fields. You remember that, the, sh the archer with, the, with the, b the bow and the arrow and so forth. Well, one of these is Sukhavati, in the western direction, the Buddha field of Amitabha. Apart from Sukhavati, one cannot take birth in the supreme pure realms without having reached the eighth Bodhisattva level. If you reach that eighth Bodhisattva level, please remember me. I want to be your student. So in other words, there's some that are very limited access. For the middling pure realms, must, one must have achieved at least the path of meditation, which means direct realization of emptiness, on which the subtle afflictive obscurations have been eliminated. Without that, one will not take birth there. So there's another whole dimension, bandwidth of these pure, pure realms. Unless you're an Arya Bodhisattva, you're not going there. You don't have the admission. For the five pristine abodes, such as Akanishta, uh, Atakavati, one must have achieved the path of seeing, again, on which the truth of ultimate reality is seen after having severed the root of self-grasping. Without that, one will not take birth there. So these are very elite, very, very high-level pure lands. And bear in mind, she is an absolutely accomplished yogini. She's not a theologian or a philosopher. She's the real thing, universally revered. Hmm. However, having, without having reached the path of seeing, if one is without even the slightest infraction of one's samayas and vows and applies oneself to prayer and to virtue alone, it is just possible to take birth in a small pure, pure realm such as Tushita. But it is difficult. And Tushita is a pure realm of Maitreya, 
okay, of Maitreya, becoming Buddha. Therefore, it is utterly hopeless for an individual with mental afflictions to take birth in a Buddha realm. So, I hope that was encouraging. <laughs> There's more. What a kidder I am. Therefore, it is utterly hopeless for an individual with mental afflictions to take birth in the Buddha, Buddha realm. However, the protector Amitabha himself has promised that one may take birth in his pure land due to the power of his, pray of his prayers. He's been dedicating his prayers to creating his pure land. Thus, you should strive with your body, speech, and mind in prayer to be born in the realm of Sukhavati, ridding yourself of doubt, uncertainty, and spiritual sloth. With great and swift certainty and enthusiasm, bring to mind the splendor and benefits of the realm of Sukhavati and pray. Sukhavati is superior to the realms of other Buddhas in these ways. It is greater because it is, it is possible for ordinary individuals with mental afflictions to be born there. And if you take birth there, all that you wish for is accomplished as soon as you think of it. You're not tainted by even subtle mental afflictions, and you may go from there to the realms of other Buddhas. That sounds good. You know, like, there's one that I'm not going to talk about much, but Shambhala, human realm. Very good place to achieve enlightenment in one lifetime. Using Vajrayana, Dzogchen, Kala Chakra practice. Go to Sukhavati, and then you can get a transfer over to Shambhala. Go to one and you'll get access to the others. There is no other pure realm that is within closer reach than Sukhavati. So it is extremely important to strive in prayer to be reborn there. Now that's Kamachamik writing. He continues thus, the splendor of Sukhavati Sutra, the Great Mound of Jewels Sutra, the splendor of Amitabha Sutra, the White Lotus Sutra, the spell of the sound of drum, and the teachings of Organomaji, that's Padmasambhava, all of these are all in agreement that unless you have committed any of the five acts of immediate retribution or abandoned dharma, if you single-pointedly pray to re do be reborn in that pure, pure realm, you can take birth in the realm of Sukhavati. You can. So don't commit any of the realm's five acts of immediate retribution. Killing your father, killing your mother, um, uh, maliciously wounding a Buddha, drawing the blood of a Buddha. Don't do that. Killing an arhat or creating a schism, a schism in the Sangha. Okay? Don't do any of those. Or if you do, purify quickly. But if you haven't, then you're, you're fine. You know, you're fine. Make, so dedicate yourself to a life of virtue. Avoid non-virtue. Cultivate bodhicitta. And make prayers of dedication to Sakavati. And that actually is enough. And now no one here can say, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. Nobody can say that. If you don't have faith, it's okay. Then there's no problem. Then make prayers to have a fortunate rebirth and carry on. You know? But if you have faith, this is a gift. Therefore, whatever virtue you perform, do it with the excellent intention of bodhicitta, thinking, I shall perform this virtue for the sake of all sentient beings. During the main practice, bear in mind the difficulty of achieving a human life of leisure and endowment, death and impermanence, causal actions and their consequences, and the problems of samsara. During each session, focus on, on taking refuge, bodhicitta, vajrasattva, the mandala offering, and guru yoga. Then imagine yourself as Avalokiteshvara. 
and visualize in the crown of your head the form of Amitabha as the embodiment of all the gurus. So this is one practice, very clearly stated, Avalokiteshvara, the embodiment of compassion, divine compassion, enlightened compassion. This is one that Kamachandra himself says, even if you don't have empowerment. This one, he said, this is public dharma. He said so. So if you read the, we just don't have time for me to give the transmission on it right now, but in A Spacious Path to Freedom, this text, right towards the beginning, there's a whole chapter dedicated to this. And he said, even if you don't have empowerment, this one, oh, this one's fine. You can't dissolve your ordinary identity into emptiness, arise as Avalokiteshvara with a divine pride, a pure vision. It's actually okay. And then with the mantra. Here's the, the, the transmission. Om Mane Peme Hom. In case you haven't heard that before, Om Mane Peme Hom. Om Mane Peme Hom. There we are. You have the transmission. That was easy. All right. So here's what he's suggesting. You may do this. And it's really very beautiful. You know, generate, arouse yourself. Visualize yourself as Avalokiteshvara. Visual on the crown of your head the form of Amitabha, a ruby red, uh, ruby red Buddha, as the embodiment of all the gurus. Imagine inviting all the gurus and they're dissolving into Amitabha. So all the gurus, all the enlightened beings, Buddhists and Bodhisattvas, imagine them all dissolving into Amitabha, who becomes the embodiment of them all. So this is really quite important. Above, right there above the crown of the head, you're visualizing this glowing ruby red Buddha, embodiment of compassion. Imagine inviting all spiritual mentors, they're dissolving into Amitabha, who become the embodiment of them all. Imagine inviting all the Yidams, that is, all the Manjushri, Tara, and so forth, all the, the personal deities who dissolve into yourself. So all this blessing, so that you become the embodiment of all of them. At your heart, imagine the syllable, Hri. Some of you have heard that before. Hri. This is the seed syllable for the whole lotus clan. And that's Amitabha, it's Avalokiteshvara, it's Padmas and Baba, same family. Also Tara. I'm finished. I'm quite content. Avalokiteshvara, Guru Ramachay, Tara. Oh, I'm happy. You know, all, that's all Lotus, Lotus family. And with the, the seed syllable, Hri. At your heart, imagine the syllable Hri surrounded clockwise by the six syllables, Om Mani Peme Hum, upon a moon disk. So it's the three, so it's the moon disk, on that is the Hri, and then surrounding the Hri, in the clockwise direction, Om Mani Peme Hum, which is the synthesis of all secret mantras, knowledge mantras, and spell mantras. Those are profound practical instructions for actualizing all deities by means of one deity. So that was a very quintessential stage of generation practice you can do without having empowerment or initiation. And now imagine rays of light emanating from your heart, transforming the physical universe into the pure realm of Sukhavati, and transforming all sentient beings into the form of Avalokiteshvara. So you're cultivating pure vision now. That is transforming appearances into divine embodiments. So that's in terms of appearances. Imagine, the, imagine their chanting leader, all these beings around you, rising up and them all chanting the six syllables. Om Mani Peme Hum. This is whole vast chorus of Om Mani Peme Hum. Om Mani Peme Hum. That is transforming sounds into divine speech. So appearances into the divine body, sounds into divine speech. So it is a teaching that causes many hundreds of millions of mantras to be recited in an instant. Whatever Now we go to the mind. Whatever good and bad thoughts arise, observe their nature without rejecting or affirming them and leave your mind without modification. You've heard that before. I'm sure you have. That is transforming thoughts into the divine mind, the Buddha mind. And it is the practice of Mahamudra, and the ground cutting through 
of Dzogchen. Without supplementing those three with anything, they comprise a superb practice of a union of the stages of generation and completion. At the very least, you should never be parted from those three. Now going back to Sukhavati, what good is it to be born there? There is no, it's not in samsara. It's not, it's not in the deva realm or any other realm. This is outside of samsara. It's a pure creation, uh, just like a lucid dream of Amitabha. So he, he's inviting you into his dream, a pure land that is purely an effulgence of a Buddha mind. There's no samsara there at all. So what, is it good, what good is it to be born there is there is no suffering in taking birth in that realm for your body is instantly brought forth in miraculous birth in the midst of a flower. You're born in a flower. Everyone without exception who is born there has a golden-colored body adorned with signs and symbols of enlightenment and possesses incalculable extra-sensory perception and paranormal abilities just by being born there. In that realm, you never even hear of the sufferings of illness, harmful spirits, enemies, famine, and so on. Whoever is born there is without the five poisons of attachment, hatred, delusion, pride, and jealousy. The duration of one eon in our world is the equivalent of one day in the realm of Sukhavati. And even in a quadrillion of its years, there is no death, no illness, and no aging. Whatever you desire in terms of food, clothing, enjoyments, and things to offer to the Buddha comes spontaneously with the mere thought of them. There is no need to acquire them with effort, to preserve them, or make a living. So finally, retirement at last. <laughs> Without needing to experience the suffering of the ripening of all your present, present vices and obscurations, they're purified by encountering Amitabha, making prostrations, circumambulations and offerings, and listening to the Dharma. So vast obscurations, karmic imprint, simply purified by being there. And this, of course, this is not a sensual realm. This is not for hedonic pleasure. This is all Dharma. It's all Dharma. Due to your unimpeded supernormal powers and extra-century perception, you may go to all the Buddha realms, meet the Buddhas, listen to the Dharma, and with these connections serve as a guide to sentient beings. In the evening, there is nothing to obstruct your supernormal power to return to, to Sakavati. So you may go off to these other Buddha fields and then come back in the evening. In such a state of bountiful joy and happiness, you may listen to the Dharma from the Buddha, make offerings, and by exercising the power of samadhi over countless eons, you accomplish the ten grounds and five paths of the sutra tradition. So all the stages of the Bodhisattvas. The thirteen Vajradhara levels of the mantra tradition, or Vajrayana, and the 16 levels of supreme primordial consciousness of the Dzogchen tradition. It is said that finally, as soon as you pass away from that life, you become a Buddha with your body, speech, and mind indivisible from all the Buddhas. Therefore, having received this teaching, even if you do not remember the words, if you bear in mind the primary meanings and practice with enthusiasm, there is no doubt that you will be reborn in Sukhavati. The sutras, tantras, and the teachings of Oregon, Padmasambhava, bear testimony to this. So that's that. You may accept it if you wish. So we have about two minutes. Let's dedicate the merit of all the time we spent together. Do so quietly to your realization, the fulfillment of your highest aspirations.
offers just one prayer. Dewa Dean, you do that. Dewa Chendu, Kiegyur me. By this merit, may I swiftly be born in Sukhavati. Dewa Chikya Malu Pate Salagurvasho. And may I lead all sentient beings without exception to that pure realm. So, so, in the spirit of Dharma friendship, uh, tell you my aspirations. I told you, I don't know when I'm going to die, but my sense is if I come back to this world, I don't think I can do much good. Not the way things are turning out. I don't think much good. So, I don't have much aspiration. I don't have any aspiration. I have no wish to come back. Not in the near future. So, that's where I think I know I haven't committed any of the five. You know? I think I'd be okay. So, I place my faith there. I place my faith there. Why not? I do. I accept that. Thank you, Gyatra Because I regard him. For me, he is Anadama Buddha. And then Shambhala. Then Shambhala. So, anybody who would like to uh, meet with me in the future? I have no idea whether I have this ability. But this is not my ability. Right? That's quite clear. And once there, he said, if you're there, you can go to others. Well, good. I want to be there for a while, purify my mind, and then off to Shambhala, finish, and then finish up. So, you want to hang out? You want to have further retreats with me beyond this life? Then. Hola, so I have 20, 36 seconds to spare. <laughs> I think it's turn time to turn over to Emerson. Am I right? Okay. Then I'm turning off my microphone.